Hi, I'm Giacomo Mancini, and welcome to Research 2030, an Elsevier podcast series in which our guest experts discuss, debate, and dissect the complex topics faced by research institutions today. And welcome to today's episode, in which our participants mull over a subject that, for many, holds the key to creating a more equitable and sustainable future, research collaboration between the global North and South. Given the unequal geographic impact of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, this topic has taken on a new resonance in recent months. And over the course of a wide-ranging conversation, our guests consider why these collaborations are so important and the rewards that both sides can reap, as well as some of the hurdles that researchers keen to collaborate currently face. Hi, so welcome very much to this uh, edition of the Research 2030 podcast, where we're talking about global collaborations between the global north and the global south. My name's Ian Evans. I'm content director for uh, Elsevier in the global communications department. And I'm Ilan Shem. I'm the director of the Elsevier Foundation and also uh, the director of corporate responsibility for Elsevier. I'm Jennifer Thompson. I'm Emeritus Professor in the Department of Molecular and Cell Biology at the University of Cape Town, and I'm also President of the Organization for Women in Science for the Developing World. So thank you both very much for uh, for joining us today. As I mentioned, we're talking about uh, research collaborations between the Global North and the Global South. But the first thing I wanted to cover really is this question of why uh, those collaborations are important. Well, I can speak from both my experience as a scientist in the Global South and my experience as working uh, with people in the Global North. And I can say from my experience that I would be nowhere near where I am today as a scientist if it hadn't been for my collaboration with the Global North. And I was on a panel that uh, advised the Canadian Organization for Research Development, and their projects re required scientists from Canada to work with scientists from the Global South. And uh, at a meeting where we were, uh, the North and the South were represented, uh, the, the people from the North said, you know, we've got solutions to problems that we don't have. And you've got problems that you don't have solutions to. And by the two of us getting together, the various groups getting together, we can solve all the problems. And uh, this has been extremely true in, in my experience. And uh, personally, when I was starting out as a scientist, I was invited to a, a course in Europe where I met a scientist called Mark von Montague, who ended up being uh, winning the World Food Prize for the development of genetically modified crops. And when he asked me what I really wanted to do as a scientist, and I said, I want to work in genetically modified crops. And he said, then you'd better come and work in my lab, which I duly did in the, in the vacations uh, that I had. And, uh, but he worked on dicots and I wanted to work on crops that were important in Africa. And of course, maize is the most important crop in Africa. And he said, well, then you better go and work with Mary Dell Chilton, who works in North Carolina. And Mary was, Dell was so fantastic that she actually took one of my technicians into her lab for two weeks and taught her all the, all the, um, the technology that she needed. And then 
she said to me, whenever you're in America, come and visit and we can update you. And they would tell me what was new in the technology and I was t- would tell them what was happening on the ground. And so both our experience, our scientific experience was, was uh, much richer having had the collaboration. And that's been my experience generally in people working together in such collaborations. And I... So, Elan, yeah. does that, that reflect kind of what you hear from the community as well? Well, I, I um, absolutely. But I, th- I think it's very important to kind of zoom out and um, look at this whole point around diversity of experiences and and uh, minds, uh, in- inclusive research. And by that, I mean um, a couple months ago was the fifth anniversary of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and at Elsevier, we took that moment to kind of to look at what was happening with sustainability science. And we did this five years earlier when the UN Sustainable Development Goals launched. And this was now five years later. What we saw is that the, um, the amount of research uh, coming from developing countries to, continues to be extremely low. It continues to hover around um, 2%. Um, which is a real travesty because if you think of how the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the challenges they're outlining, a lot of these are disproportionately affecting lives and livelihoods in, in developing countries, especially the least developed countries. And so it's essential to, to bring the, the knowledge on the ground, um, the localized expertise uh, together with um from the south with the north, so that you really can have a holistic approach. Yeah, yeah so, so, so this this point about kind of like you know the being able to address the uh, challenges that the um, global south is often facing disproportionately compared to the global north is is kind of interesting because where I've had conversations with um, you know uh, indeed um, another researcher from South Africa, she was talking about how uh, in order to further her research career, she felt that she was kind of steered towards publishing in international journals, which meant sort of publishing research on international problems rather than the challenges most urgently felt locally. And so I was wondering, you know, is, is that some is that a kind of an idea that rings true to, to you two? And, and how do you kind of ensure that uh, researchers in the Global South aren't kind of penalised for focusing on the problems that are most uh, urgent to their uh, their local communities? In a way, it's it's a slightly different problem. It's that uh, not that the people from the South, scientists from the South, want to work on problems that are recognised by the North. It's that they want to publish in international journals that are read by the North. And Often this is not the best way to get their uh, th- what they have developed into the hands of the t- the people they they want to uh, benefit from these uh, this research. So I can give you an example from one of our women in science uh, PhD fellows who was working in Nigeria on a problem that she could find, and it was a very local problem, but she could find she had developed a solution. And she said to us, you know, if if I were to 
publish this in Nature or Science or one of the international journals, it'll take me a lot longer. And the people who I want to read it will not necessarily have access to it. If I published it in the local journal of medical science for Nigeria, everybody who is has got that problem would, would be able to access it much faster. But by publishing in a, in a local journal, you don't get the same credits as you do for an international journal. So if you're looking for advancement in your career and uh, you, you're looking at, at, at a, a committee that is looking at your a publication record, they'll say, oh, these are only local journals. Therefore, this person doesn't really deserve to become an associate professor or whatever it is. So it's, it's a mindset we have to change. And, and I'm coming across this more and more in how we rank excellence in research. Mm. And I think that point about Pan-African collaborations is an interesting one because it also, um, I like to point, there was there was something Jennifer said early on about, um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, the North often has these this technology and maybe the financial resources and so forth in order to address a the, the challenges faced by the global south, but I guess um, you know even more important is this idea of empowering the global south with those same technology, with those resources, with the capacity to to address the problems without having to maybe depend isn't the right word, but without having to necessarily look for that north south collaboration, right? But there's always also this element of just capacity building in the global south to to empower the global south to address these problems with pan-african collaborations for example can i come in here with a with a comment about our funding agency in south africa because obviously they got the message collaboration is good so in one of the sections in your application you have to say where how you are collaborating and you are scored down if you don't collaborate. And I said to them, you know, this is crazy. You can, you only can collaborate if you need each other. And so mm-hmm. collaboration just for the sake of collaboration is, is, is tantamount to, um, sort of, you know, uh, prostitution. <laughs> you really want, you have to be needed. And uh, so uh, we must look at, at collaboration uh, in, in terms of, of need. And, and very often, like in my career, I've needed the global south. I've needed collaboration. I, I couldn't get on uh, in my, my work on, on maize if I didn't have a collaboration with Nairobi, with um, the um, – one of the universities in Nairobi, because Nairobi sits on the on the equator, and you can have two crops of maize a year. And there was an extremely talented group of scientists there, and I collaborated happily with them for many years, and uh, speeded things up. Sit on the equator, and you've got huge opportunities. <laughs> but I needed them, and they needed me. Yeah. Mm. Can I say something also about um, problems with publications that I've I've come across in Africa, which shook me to the core? Um, I was on a uh, I I was one of the instructors on a course for the 
for twice the World Academy of Science, who have fellows in many different countries, and they were having a course on on collaboration in East Africa. And uh, one of them said uh, that their supervisors in Africa insist on being the first author. Now, I don't know how prevalent this is, but there were lots of nods and agreements from the group, which was about 20 to 30. And I was totally horrified because um, the first author ought to be the person who did all the work. And the last author is the person who brings in the money and, uh, you know, is sort of in charge of, but doesn't certainly... I always am delighted if I land up as as last author um, because uh, that's where I belong. But I don't know how prevalent this is, and I don't know if you've come across it, Dylan. Yes. So I'm I'm just thinking about uh, Dr. Yap Boom, uh, Professor Yap Boom, who is the Africa representative for uh, Doctors Without Borders Epicentre. That's their research arm for Doctors Without Borders. And we had him on a panel just recently with um, at Academic Publishers Europe conference, and it was about um, open access publishing in the, in the global south and lowering barriers. And I've worked with Yap for uh, five years, and this was a point that he made very, very clearly. He said, you know, it's so important. He's, of course, in the field of health, um, but to have equitable health research partnerships so that it's not just that all the field work is being done in in Africa, for instance, um, and then the, you know, the research is published in in the in the north, but that there's a real exchange and recognition there, and knowledge transfer and exchange. And so I, I do think it's a real issue. Listening to to Yap um, uh, discuss this, and I've I've heard it more often. So I think you're right. I don't. I don't have an answer to that because actually, it's it's up to the academics involved to uh, say, "Hey, this is not equitable." I'll never forget. I I was a, a postdoc at Harvard, and I finished a piece of work and I wrote it up and I gave it to my supervisor who gave it back to me and and of course I put his name as a co-author there were the two of us on the paper and he scrubbed his name off and I thought oh this work is terrible he said no this was all your own idea this was all your own work you should be the only author so I have a single pa- single author paper from Harvard the only one in my entire career <laughs> That's fantastic. Which just shows, yeah, that uh, you you have to have rather a special supervisor to for, for that sort of thing to happen. So as as we as we are actually kind of um, run, running up against the time that we right. had uh, set aside for this, I wanted to loop back to that point on um, Pan African uh, collaborations that you wanted to. Um, to, to, to talk a little bit more about uh, Jennifer. Yes, it's it's not necessary that we have to go to the global north to to uh, um, access uh, technology and expertise. And I'll give you an example in biotechnology, which is my field. There's an organisation called Becca, which is biotechnology East and Central Africa. Anyway, they have got a set of labs uh, and and researchers working full time. Uh, in Nairobi, uh, on the campus of the International Livestock Research Institute. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a campus that's got library facilities, it's got IT facilities, it's a perfect place to to have a, a research institute. And what they do is 
is uh, support uh, scientists coming from other countries in Africa that aren't as well equipped and people can come there and use their equipment under supervision of excellent scientists who they can also then collaborate with. If we look at other examples uh, beyond biotechnology, there's the AIMS, which is the um, African Institute for Mathematical Sciences, and they have bases in Cape Town, in Kigali, and in Ghana. And uh, they operate on the same basis that people can come from other African countries and learn from the scientists there. So although North-South is terrific, uh, South-South is is great. And and that's also behind the philosophy behind uh, OST, because we used to find that a lot of our PhD students would, would go to get fellowships and go to Germany or other countries, America, and they would never come back because there was it was so much better uh, in the uh, global north. And so by bringing uh, PhDs to the global south, from the global south, we tend to keep them in the global south, and that's terribly important for us. So, so, so this is kind of, um, I don't, you know, what, what, what I'm taking from this is that this idea of kind of like capacity building in the global south is 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 a really crucial element terrific okay so so i just want to say thank you both very much for your um really insightful and thoughtful contributions today uh thank you very much for joining us listening to the stories shared by ian elon and dr thompson it's clear that for collaborations between the global north and south to be truly effective it's important that both parties have a need that is being met. Importantly, knowledge sharing is never a one-way street. There is much that we can learn from each other. And it was particularly interesting to hear how the pressure on researchers to publish in international journals can mean that the insights gained during these partnerships don't always appear in journals that the communities can access. It's evident that all three of today's podcast participants believe that the ultimate goal is to support the Global South in developing the infrastructure, resources, and expertise that will ensure these collaborations are always a conscious choice, never a necessity. We want to thank Ian, Elon, and particularly Dr. Thompson for sharing their experiences with us here in Research 2030. And if you have any questions about this episode or the podcast in general, we would love to hear them. Send us an email at research2030 at elsevier.com. That's research2030 at E-L-S-E-V-I-E-R.com. Please take a look at our show notes for more information on the Global North and Global South collaboration. Again, I'm Giacomo Mancini, and thank you for listening to this episode of Research 2030. And please don't forget to sign up to Research 2030 on your favorite podcast provider. That way you'll be the first to hear about new episodes.